everyone, Siobhan Chapman here and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. It's Friday morning, which means it's time for the weekend review and preview conversation where my guests will recap how markets have performed over the past few sessions and preview what you can expect in the week ahead. Our conversation today will focus back in on fixed income as we will examine the year-to-date performance drivers and what the prospects for return look like in the months ahead. We'll also touch on an outlook for rates and positioning recommendations within the asset class. Joining us for the conversation, I'm glad to welcome back Leslie Falcone. Head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Leslie, welcome. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Perfect. So let's get started. Within the latest fixed income strategist publication, you highlight this pull forward out of performance across fixed income sectors. What exactly has fueled this recent performance within the asset class? Yes, yeah, so that's a great question because, I mean, the, the first two months of the year have um, not been quiet to say the least. And, and one of the things that we noted in the fixed income strategies, the pull forward to push back was how, uh, much the outperformance in January really had, uh, been a tailwind to fixed income markets. And what I mean by that is, you know, in January, after ending the 10 year treasury yield, say at 388 coming into the year, there was definitely the sentiment shift where the market had felt the Fed would more than likely end up what we call pausing or stop, you know, hiking rates at a level that was around 4.8%, so a much lower, much a fairly low level given where we see today's market. And also, too, the market was expecting that uh, the Fed would ease um, fairly substantially in the second half of 2023, anywhere between 50 and 75 basis points. So what ended up, had ended up occurring is that volatility drops. Uh, fixed income yields fell, which is a challenge of performance, and spreads, you know, had some of the tightest uh, compressed materially. And some of these asset classes in January had actually seen some of the best months start of the year than with that, that they've seen in their history, such as triple C high yield that was up over 6.5%. So a lot of this pull forward really was the market's expectation that maybe the economy would slow um, in the first in the first half of the year and, you know, force the Fed to ease, push interest rates lower, and compress spreads as the market priced in that the Fed would sort of come to the rescue in the second half of 23. And as we'll discuss, you know, a little bit later, what we're seeing in February is the pushback part. That is the part where it's really – it's that the outlook for fixed income and all of this pull forward was a little bit too early, and now, now the market's starting to push back a bit. So I want to dig a little bit deeper into the pull forward. So you go on to highlight how this pull forward outperformance will result in a pushback in spreads. How do you see that playing out over the next few months? Well, we're getting a little bit of that pushback this month, and it's not. And it's something that we had anticipated given the magnitude of the spread compression in January, the decline in yields that went from like a 388 to, say, a 333, um, the decline in short end yield and also in the two year yield was fell, you know, up to, you know, around this low, low 4%. So now we're getting the pushback. And, and this is something that we had anticipated, but granted, the U turn has happened fairly quickly. Now, as we're all aware, we have seen some recent economic numbers that are much stronger than expectations, whether it's the 500,000 in, um, in the jobs report, whether it's ISM above 50, whether it's the strength in the retail sales, and also even in today's PCE report, inflation is, you know, a bit higher than what the market would anticipate given the magnitude of the Fed rate hikes that has already occurred. So now you're getting the pushback. And what I mean by pushback is that the market is now shifting its sentiment really closer to what the Fed has been dictating for quite some time, and that's higher for longer. 
So right now, after this, the stronger than expected, you know, both consumer demand and inflation numbers, the market is now saying, okay, that January 475 terminal rate in Fed, the Fed funds rate we had priced in, we now think it's going to be around the 535. And those spreads that we thought would just really benefit from the Fed coming to the rescue and ease in the second half of the year, they're now pricing out that easing, and they're, so they're saying that the Fed will ease less than 25 basis points. So this higher for longer kind of mentality is really being priced into the marketplace. And what we're seeing because of that, because of that pushback, now the market is pushed back and now more realigned the Fed, is that we now expect the market says 25 basis points in March, high 25 basis points in May, 25 basis points in June, and more than likely you're going to stay between that five and a quarter, five and a half Fed fund rate for, for a period of time. So now when we think about how the credit markets react to that, is that the longer that the Fed might stay at higher for longer, the higher the probability is that you might see a recession happen. And again, we don't know the depths or we don't know the duration of this recession, but more than likely that you're going to see, you know, growth slow further out. So now you have this kind of spread widening in the sense that interest rates are rising again, the, the market is becoming more hawkish, and that maybe, you know, because they're going to be higher for longer, that depth and duration of recession could be greater, but just further out into 2024. So now that we've seen a bit of an uptick in treasury yields in recent days, what factors are driving that momentum and what's your rate outlook? Yeah, I mean, listen, what, what really sort of started the um, snowball, and it's funny, if you look between, say, the February 1st FOMC meeting and the 3rd when the non-farm came out, there was, after the February FOMC, the market really took this as a bit dovish, yields went down, then all of a sudden you had a jobs report that was well over 500,000, and everyone sort of tech took a step back and said, we're at a 3.4% unemployment rate, the lowest that we've been since the 60s. You know, we're looking for this, what we call this consumer demand destruction. We're really not seeing it yet. And so that that non-farm really sort of fueled the, the some of the um, repricing and the sentiment that we've seen since then. And since that time, we have retail sales that were better, ISM that's better, you know, some of the um, used auto car prices are, are creeping up in February. So a lot of this sort of um, growth is going to be stronger than what was anticipated. But inflation is also going to be a little stickier and higher than what we anticipated is really coming into the marketplace. So because of that, we have yields moving higher, right? So now when we think about where we want to be placed is that, look, you know, when you're in, this is just the second month of the year, okay? And we all know it takes time for Fed rate hikes to really move into the real economy materially. And even if that move is slower or even if the impact of the economy is much less than what we anticipated at this point in time, over a period of time, it's more than likely going to happen because interest rates are higher, your mortgage rates higher, your consumer loan is higher, your auto loan is higher, all these rates are higher. So it really starts to, you know, impact the pocket of the consumer over time. Now, when, when we look at interest rates, given the fact that we're near that, you know, that 394% level, it's actually, in our opinion, not a bad time for the long term to start adding. We still have interest rates moving down by the end of the year. Um, remember, we have an October 22, a high in um, U.S. Treasury yields, which that was around four and a quarter, 4.3%. So we use that kind of at that, as that ceiling, right? For right now, that's a ceiling um, in terms of how far rates can go. And one of the biggest difference between 2023 and 2022 is that because your starting point of interest rates is so much higher, 
the impact of rising interest rates will be less, meaning that the drop in price is going to be lower because you're starting from a higher level. This is obviously a complete counter to what we saw in 2022 when he started at 1.5% and he went all the way to 43 right? So that mirrors 300 basis point move. You're not going to see that again this year. So one of the reasons why the market is pushing back, saying why yields are rising is the market is now sort of beating to the drum of the Fed. And what the Fed has been saying for quite some time is that more than likely higher for longer. We're not near their target inflation that they want to accomplish. And they probably, you probably won't get there until 2024. But also I, th- I think that the, what the market is pressing in now is that it doesn't, it sort of removed the belief that ease of, you know, large material easing is going to come in the second half of the year. That doesn't mean that none will come, but given the growth that we've seen and how growth is much stronger than what was anticipated um, for the first quarter, it's going to be pushed out. So that's what the market is doing. It's just kind of readjusting. So you had the pull forward. Now you're getting the pushback. So let's talk a little bit about positioning. Looking at the asset allocation table, how are you recommending that fixed income investors be positioned? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we have been sort of touting, given the fact that yields rose so much in 2022, and we all know the difficulty that fixed income had in terms of total return, really regardless of what asset class you held, even if you had treasury inflation protection, you're still dealing with a negative total return. And the underlying driver of that was the rise in interest rates, right? I mean, spreads did widen, but there wasn't a tremendous blowout in, in, in credit spreads or risk premium. Most of that total return came from the rise in rates. And as I was mentioning earlier, because the magnitude or the delta of those rise in rates were so great in 22, starting at a 1.5% 10-year yield going all the way to 430, that's, that's a large move. In today's market, you know, given the fact that we do have a wider opportunity set within fixed income for investors to earn what we call that yield and carry, and you have that up in quality, we are staying with this up in quality bias. And as we know, I mean, it's that yield over the longer term that drives total return and fixed income. It's not whether or not the 10-year goes up or down 50 basis points. It's really over the long term, it's going to be that income that drives it because you because that income, that interest rate compounds. You compound, keep compounding, compounding, compounding. So it really impacts your total return. So when we think about like how we're allocated now, we still like the up and quality bias. And really one of the things that we're seeing, and, and as I mentioned earlier, we got out of the gate in January with, with the higher credit embedded sectors outperforming. Even some of those, you know, really high credit embedded sectors such as triple C's. You're starting to see spreads widen now, and you're starting to give a little bit of, of the skid back in the lower quality. So one of the reasons why we do like the higher quality is that, you know, the Fed more than likely, get, you know, the more, will go three more times, and you know, at some point it will pause, and there will be that lagged impact in terms of how it impacts the real economy. But where we are in the cycle right now, even though growth might be better than what we anticipated in the short term, is that if you have the ability to stay higher quality, to stay a little bit more liquid, and still earn a you know historically higher amount of yield than we have over the past ten years, then that is the allocation that we're going to make. We're not in an early cycle. So this this is why we like the higher quality. So we're staying with things like agency mortgage-backed securities. We're staying with things like investment-grade corporates. And what we're doing on the investment-grade corporate side is that we are barbelling. And what I mean by a barbell is that, as we all know, the yield curve is inverted. Two-year, three-month, all those yields are higher than what we're seeing in the 10-year. And it's inverted because the Fed has been so aggressive in raising the Fed funds rate. So investors have the ability to invest in the short end earn good carrying yields, and still have this capital preservation or principal protection. And we like that. Those are great strategies to have. 
However, as we sort of, you know, become a little bit more seasoned in terms of the credit cycle, and because interest rates are now near that, you know, 394, we also have on some, you know, some interest rate risk. We don't think it's a bad time. Now, we don't, you know, we're not going very long, but, you know, anything around like that seven-year tenure that, we have, that we're putting on to add a little bit more interest rate exposure at these at higher yields, particularly than what, than what we saw in the beginning of 22, we're going to take advantage of that. So we have a barbell on. And that barbell of short end and sort of that seven-year is kind of leading us to the intermediate part of the curve. Now, having that intermediate exposure right now, you know, in January did really well. In February, it's going to it's taken a little bit of, of headwinds because, again, the market is repricing. But over the longer term, when the Fed pauses, right, and pivots, that intermediate part will actually be the, benef- the beneficiary of that move. So we have a barbell strategy in investment grade corporates, and we also have the AAA agency MBS, which are coming off the heels of the worst year of 22 that they've ever had in the history of the index because you have liquidity and you have higher credit quality. So that's really been our major play. Looking ahead to next week, what will be taking place that investors should be mindful of? Well, first off, I, I do need to make the point because I know that this is a common mistake. People always assume that the first Friday is going to be non-farm payroll, not this month. So non-farm, actually, it's the payroll, which will be a very important number. It really doesn't come out until the 10th. So when we think about next week, so it won't be out next Friday, it'll be out Friday after. But there's still a lot of data that's coming out next week that is, is worth, is worth um, noting, whether it's, you know, both IS, ISM is a big, is a big, will be a big number in terms of um, how we see, you know, particularly since the uptick that we saw from the previous months. Um, that'll be a big one. ISM services are out in the third. Um, it's, it's, it's expected to, uh, you know, remain in expansionary. I think the consensus around 54 and a half. You know, so that'll that'll be really the big key of how we think going forward. And we do have things like housing and home prices, which have been also uh, a fairly big indicator that'll come out um, as well. So, but the big thing I think next week it will not be uh, non-farm payroll; it'll be the week after. But things like ISM will be really the driver, in my opinion, of how the market is, um, how the tone of the market is next week. Thank you so much for joining us, Leslie. You definitely prepared us for a very busy week ahead and also gave us a lot of insight about the week that we just passed. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Again, today we have been joined by Leslie Falconio, Head of Taxable Fixed Income Strategy with the UBS Chief Investment Office. And as a reminder to our listeners, Top of the Morning is a part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the UBS trending video. Series. From UBS Studios, I'm Siobhan Chapman, and thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer. 